Hey friends, welcome to the South Bend City Church Podcast. Jason Miller here, and before we get to this episode, we wanted to let you know that we're hiring at South Bend City Church. We're looking for a worship and arts pastor who will curate the songs, prayers, scriptures, reflections, Eucharistic practices, quiet spaces, and celebrations that help us grow in the way of Jesus, and who will lead the teams that create those expressions for both our gatherings and our podcast, which means if we get this hire done well, it'll actually up our game on the podcast that you're listening to right now. If you're interested or you know somebody who might be, go to southbendcitychurch.com slash jobs. You'll see the full job description and the steps that you can take to apply. Church family, uh, we hope that you're praying with us as we look for the right person to add to our team. And may grace and peace be with you. So sometimes my kids make me feel like I don't do anything. I was sharing this with other group of parents. Thankfully, they uh, affirmed that they also feel the same way, which helped my self-esteem a little bit, that it wasn't just a me thing. Uh, I think it's general to parents, but I also think, like pastors, it becomes a unique problem as well. I remember the church I was at before South Bend City Church. I was a solo pastor there, and so I was teaching nearly every week. And I remember one week was just particularly exhausting. There was a lot of stuff going on in the neighborhood. I remember there was one family going through some challenges that I spent a lot of time that week um, just meeting with them and counseling through stuff with them. Uh, we also had a neighbor who, who would initiate conflict a lot, a neighbor that would get frustrated that we were doing risk with uh, doing um, care with at-risk teens, and, and this neighbor was frustrated by that, so I was spending a lot of time trying to put out that fire as well. And this was all on top of just the normal emails and planning and sermon prep and all that stuff that goes into a week. And I got to the end of the week and I was just exhausted. And I remember, you know, getting up on stage on Sunday and being able to share the sermon uh, that I had been working on and uh, finished it and was feeling good, but just feeling really drained, right? So I walked down off stage at the end of sharing and I see my daughter, Sophie, who was young at the time, and I just walk over and I needed a hug, so I just bend down and I scoop her up and she always gives these really good squeezy hugs, you know. Uh, and as I squeeze her, she looks at me, she said, Dad, you look tired. I was like, yeah, babe, I, I am tired, you know. It was a long week and you know, Sundays are difficult uh, for me. And she said, well, you know, at least, at least you're a pastor so you only have to work on Sundays. This is also the story I tell that is how Sophie almost ended up at boarding school. I, I love that girl, but honestly, uh, she comes by it fairly though. Um, I, I, when the girls were younger, I tried to not work out of the house very much um, so that they, they wouldn't see me saying no to them when they wanted to hang out a lot. So I tried, tried to get out of the house. So really the only time they saw me at work was when I was on stage teaching like on a Sunday. Uh, so it makes sense that they, that they would feel that way. Uh, but So that's one of the reasons I'm excited to be able to teach today is that maybe my kids will see this and think that I finally do something again. But the bigger reason I'm excited to share uh, is just because this is something that I'm really passionate about, the, something that I really want to share with you. My, my bigger role here with South Bend City Church is to help us love our city well. And that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people depending on the background that you come from when it comes to churches loving their city well. But often it has to do with churches and the big things that we do together, right? People think about uh, outreach events of doing fun things that try and get people to come to church or people would think about service projects where you get a bunch of people together to paint something or to clean up something or, or to beautify something together, right? 
Or maybe people think about uh, ministry programs, right? The, the soup kitchens we do or the tutoring programs, right? We, we often think about these big things that we all do together. And to be fair, the church throughout the centuries, uh, the big C church across the, across the globe, has done some really fantastic things when the people of God all come together to care for its community, right? Churches have started orphanages and hospitals and schools and universities. Churches have done some really great things when everybody comes together. And here at South Bend City Church, we've also done some really great big things when we come together. It was just a couple years ago we did the Belly Burst Unrun, our donut-fueled running donuts, hammocks, all that kind of thing. Uh, it was a lot of fun, not, not very good for, for the body, but it was a lot of fun, right? And we did that and we were able to raise a lot of awareness and a lot of funds for chronic homelessness in our city. And that was a really great thing we got to do together. When we've all come together as a church, we, we've been able to fund uh, food pantries and adoptions. We've been able to work in ministry programs, being able to walk through weather amnesty with our unsheltered neighbors. And we've started an affordable housing program where we were able to buy a house together that we now have people who are able to live in at an affordable rate, right? When we've gotten all of us together, we've been able to do some really big, exciting things. And we got some really exciting things coming down the road as well. But what gets me even more excited than doing big things together is another vision for loving our city that actually compels me even more deeply. And this vision for loving our city is one that it's a bit less flashy and harder to measure. It's more grassroots and contagious. It's a vision of loving our city well that doesn't require the people of the church to sit around waiting for the church to tell them what to do next or to wait for the next signups to get passed around, but it's a vision for loving our city that empowers us to listen and to act and to make a difference in our city. I believe this vision for loving our city is also the primary foundational vision that Jesus shares. And this vision for loving our city is neighboring. You see, for Jesus, time and time again, the task of loving our city well boils down to simply being a good neighbor. And one of the ways Jesus teaches us about being a good neighbor is by using the story of the Good Samaritan, which you can find in Luke chapter 10. If you're unfamiliar, it's a story about a man who's traveling from one city to the next, uh, walking along the road. As he's walking along the road, a band of robbers comes up and attacks him and robs him and beats him and leaves him left for dead along the side of the road. He's badly in need of somebody noticing him, of seeing and responding to the needs that he has. Well, there are some people that come along over time. And the problem is the first few people that came along didn't stop and didn't care for him because they had other priorities that were guiding them and caused them to avoid the man and helping to care for him in his pain. Finally, somebody did come along uh, who cared for him and not only cared for him in the moment, but walked in an ongoing way to care for his needs that came out. And this man was a Samaritan man who, big long story, but it's somebody that the, the Jewish people who would have heard this story would have found to be uh, ethically, morally, religiously questionable. Not the type of person you would have uh, thought to be the first person to step up to care for somebody. And yet this is the story Jesus gives us. It's a story that tells us that loving our neighbor is not about who is around us, but about who we are. Are we people who are able to see and respond to the needs around us? 
And this is my heart for South Bend City Church, is that when it comes to loving our city well, we would embrace that grassroots vision of simply being good neighbors, that we would be people who get really good at seeing and responding to the needs around us. So that's what we're gonna talk about today and over the next several weeks. We're gonna talk about all the different ways we can listen and respond to the needs around us. Today, we're gonna to start with a story that comes from the life of Jesus, that comes to us from Luke chapter eight, starting in verse 42. And it goes like this. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his coat, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Somebody touched me. I know that the power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So here we have Jesus, who's living life, going throughout his day, and a woman who has this physical ailment, this physical condition that's been causing her to bleed endlessly for 12 years, which has caused all sorts of pain and all sorts of problems in her life. She comes up, she finds him, and in the middle of the crowd, she reaches out and touches his coat, believing that just touching Jesus will be enough to heal her. And sure enough, as she touches Jesus, power goes out from him and the woman is healed. Now, there's a lot going on here in this story. Uh, there are themes throughout this story that we can't get fully into, but there are themes in this story on gender and power and religion and community and all sorts of really deep things. But I want us to start just focusing on something simple, and that's Jesus's simple response. Basically, that Jesus responded with care to the thing in life that was literally pulling at his attention. Now, this seems like an overly simple point to make from the story. But sometimes being a good neighbor is as simple as seeing and responding to the thing already tugging at us in life. Maybe it's a child who's literally pulling on your shirt. I got up from the breakfast table today uh, only to feel a hand reach back and grab my shirt as I was pulling back from the table and pull me back down as my seven-year-old daughter was letting me know without words that she needed a little more of my attention and a little more of my care this morning. Maybe it's something literally tugging on you like that. Maybe it's your neighbor's yard has been pulling at your attention because the grass and the weeds are starting to get out of control and it's captivated your attention out of frustration. But the deeper thing there is that you have a neighbor whose life is maybe getting challenging and out of control that they're going through something that it's not allowing them to uh, care for their yard in the way they used to. And you're noticing and it's coming to your attention and, and maybe there's something that you could do about it in that. Or maybe it's every day you're driving to work and you pass our unsheltered neighbors standing on the side of the road, perhaps holding a sign or gathered in community underneath the bridge together. And each day as you're driving, you see them, you notice them, it, it pulls at your attention. And sometimes you wonder, if there's anything you could be doing about it. But being a good neighbor often means just seeing things and saying, maybe I should respond to that thing that I'm seeing that's pulling on my attention. 
So my simple question to get us started is, what are the things tugging at your attention in life that you could do better to see and to respond to? And maybe even as I say that, maybe as I've been talking through some of these examples, there might already be something that's come to your mind. There might be something that you're like, yeah, that's been tugging at my attention lately. Uh, something that's already there for you. If so, may we do better to respond to it. If not, may we keep listening. All right, so beyond just the simplicity of seeing and responding to the things pulling at our attention, there's three challenges from this story that take it a little deeper for us. The first challenge to us from this story is to look closer, to look closer. If we find this story uh, not just in Luke, we also find it in Mark. And this uh, particular verse is how Mark says it in Mark 5.30. It says, Jesus turned around in the crowd. Uh, this is after the woman touched him. Jesus turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? And his disciple answered, you see this huge crowd of people crowding against you and yet you ask, who touched me? The disciples are like, Jesus, what do you mean who touched you? Everyone is touching you. It's like being pressed up against stage at a music festival and saying, who smells like B.O.? It's 95 degrees at a music festival. Everybody smells like B.O. Yes, but, but somebody in particular. Jesus is saying, yes, everybody, but somebody in particular touched me. Somebody in particular needed me. I have to admit on that last story, um, I, it's just speculation. I've never actually been to a music festival. I'm not cool enough to go to music festivals. But as I see my friends who are and see them go, I love that they're having a good time, but I can't stop my brain from thinking about how sweaty and how smelly all of that must be. Anyway, uh, Jesus decide, knew that he needed to focus on the particular need around him. Because the reality is that life in general is full of all sorts of needs that are demanding our attention. But sometimes it takes special attention to look closer to see what needs special care. Anyone who has been a parent knows that while all of our kids need our love and care and attention, there are sometimes specific seasons where specific children need special attention and care. Maybe it's a developmental stage that they're going through. Maybe it's a particular challenge or fear that they're dealing with in life. But there are some times that particular children, some of my daughters in particular, need more time and attention than others. And to give particular attention does not require me to deny my general love and affection and care and responsibility care for all of them. It just says that sometimes there are particular needs to focus on. And neighboring is no different. If we're gonna love our city well, if we're gonna neighbor well, if we're gonna see and respond well, we have to be able to move from just the general to the particular. And one, one thing to talk about, and I've said it before and we'll say it again, is this is why we need to be able to say Black Lives Matter, right? Because yes, we agree that everyone an icon, everyone is created in the image of God with the dignity of God in them and every single individual matters in this life. But we can also recognize that there is something particular about the challenges and injustice that our black brothers and sisters face that requires special specific care and attention and response. It's okay and it's good and it's necessary for us to be able to respond to the particular, even in the need to love the general. We can also apply this need to look 
look deeper, uh, look closer to the issue of homelessness in our city. We can drive through and recognize that this is a really complex issue uh, that's all around us, and we can see the big problem and not know where to begin, or recognize that the problem is too big for any one of us to be able to do something about. But maybe instead of looking at the issue as a whole, looking at the crowd pressing in, maybe we can focus in for the particular, who is the one person, maybe, that God might be drawing you into closer connection with? or closer relationship with. Maybe there's one person that you pass, one person that you see that you make eye contact with, that you can get to know their story, you can get to know who they are, you can build a friendship or a relationship of support and of care with this person. Yes, the crowd is there, but sometimes there's something in particular or someone in particular who is pulling at our attention. One final side note here on the need to look closer. Often looking closer just means paying better attention. But Jesus was, had his attention grabbed by an awareness of the supernatural, right? He said, hey, I know that somebody touched me because the power has gone out from me. Now, I first wanna recognize we're not Jesus, right? Everyone an icon, but there's only one Jesus, right? We are not Jesus filled with supernatural power that will bring people back to life all the time like Jesus was at this time. Uh, but the question is still the same, if God was supernaturally trying to get our attention somehow and point us in the direction of a need that God wants us to notice and care for, to see and respond to, would we be listening to that supernatural, that supernatural pull? Now, I'm gonna be honest, I don't even know what that means or what that looks like. When we talk about the supernatural, it's so kind of confusing and complicated, but if, the supernatural God was wanting to supernaturally get our attention, would we be listening? Would we be orienting our life in a way that would be capable of hearing and responding to those things? If we wanna be good neighbors, if we wanna see and respond well, what changes do we need to make to allow us to look closer? All right, second challenge from the story. Uh, challenge one was look closer. Challenge two is the need to look deeper. You see, by the time Jesus turned his attention to the woman, the healing had already happened, right? Right, the healing happened as soon as the woman reached out before Jesus even knew she existed or was there. Uh, she reached out and she touched his coat and as soon as she touched his coat, the power went out from him and she was healed. The healing already happened before Jesus paused and took time and attention towards her. Jesus did not return to heal the woman, to care for her through healing because that had already happened. Jesus returned for the conversation. He wanted to find the woman he wanted to affirm the woman, and it says still in the presence of others, like while the crowd was still there, it was very important that there was witnesses to what Jesus was doing here. And he wanted to tell her, go, your faith has healed you. Now, this move might seem insignificant compared to the physical healing that had already happened, but I assure you it was not. Because there were consequences to the pain the woman was feeling beyond just the physical pain and suffering of her ailment. She would have been known as unclean in this community. And because of that, she would have been excluded from community life and excluded from church life. She would have had a reputation that was shattered and people would have viewed her with mistrust. So even if she found physical healing, she still had all those social and emotional and reputational consequences that needed dealt with. And Jesus knew that. And Jesus returned, not just to make sure she was healed, but to make sure she was healed emotionally and restored into community. Jesus knew that there was something more. Jesus knew that there was something deeper. It would have been so easy to assume that the healing was all 
without taking the time to look deeper and respond to the deeper needs as well. I think sometimes it's, it's easy for us to do the same thing, to just look at the surface of an issue, to just look at the surface of what someone's going through and to respond to the surface without going any deeper. We can maybe just give a few words of advice of whatever comes to mind, right? Or we can maybe refer somebody along and just feel done with it. Or maybe we, we toss a little bit of money at something. And we respond in these simple ways that are still good ways, but we respond and then too often we just kind of move on and wash our hands of the situation and leave our neighbors in vulnerable positions still. But what if we look deeper and took the time to do that? What if we took the time to really listen and really understand? I think we might see that the most profound need for love is often something different than what first presents itself. Are we willing to look deeper and take the time necessary to love well? We're gonna dive into this one a lot more next week, actually. All right, one final challenge, uh, and it goes back to the, uh, the initial story that we found in Luke chapter eight. Uh, as we got into reading the story, it started with this phrase that captured my attention, as Jesus was on his way, as Jesus was on his way. You see, this story didn't happen in a vacuum. It's not just that, uh, that it pre- the opportunity presented itself and, and Jesus acted. Jesus actually had other things to do. Jesus was doing something already when the story came up. He was already on his way. Well, what was he doing? You know, maybe that thing that he was doing was less important than finding and healing and affirming this woman and restoring her in the community. Maybe that's why he had the opportunity to do this because the other thing he was doing wasn't that important. Well, if we read the context of the story in Luke before and after, we find the thing that Jesus was on his way to do was to heal a girl who was on her deathbed and dying. Jesus was on his way to care for somebody so they wouldn't die. And actually by stopping to have this conversation and affirm this woman, the girl he was on his way to heal ended up dying. Now Jesus is Jesus, so he was able to raise the girl back to life anyway, um, but that's less a part of the story here. Jesus was available to love the woman in our story here, not because he had nothing else to do. Jesus was able to care and respond to this woman because he was able to be flexible. And that's our third challenge, to be flexible to see and respond to the needs of our neighbors when they do arise. Bill Parcells, the football coach, uh, used to say the best ability is availability. And what he meant by that is it doesn't matter how talented you are if you're not there and available when it counts. I think that same thing applies to being a good neighbor, to seeing and responding to the needs of our neighbors, right? It's convicting for me because I know that for me, the biggest obstacle to loving my neighbors well and caring for others, it's not that I'm a jerk. I don't think I am. The biggest obstacle for me is that I got a bunch of stuff already going on. I'm busy. And sometimes all the stuff I already have going on, the stuff that I'm on my way, are the things that keep me from responding to the needs tugging at me in the moment. If loving our city involves noticing and responding to the things pulling at our attention, do we even have the margin and flexibility in our lives to do something about it when it happens? The story that makes me think about this more deeply 
uh, happened when I was at uh, the church previous to this, uh, the Keller Park Church on the northwest side of town. Fantastic church rooted in its neighborhood, doing really good work. I love the people there. Uh, during the time that I was there, we started as a really small church community. And uh, we set out to be good neighbors in our community and to create a a uh, good church experience for the neighbors in the Keller Park neighborhood. We were going to connect with neighbors. We were going to love them. We were going to try and do a culturally relevant church service, whatever that meant at the time. And we were going to create Sunday gatherings that had a meaningful worship experience uh, where people could kind of feel like they were going deep with God and ask challenging questions for people to think about. Uh, so as we were along our way, something started happening over time is we started having children come. Uh, we were in a neighborhood, so there wasn't busy roads around, and we were having children from the neighborhood walking themselves to church for Sunday morning gatherings, coming without their parents. Uh, at first, this was really just, just great and interesting, uh, but over time, we started having dozens of children walking to church by themselves. Sometimes we had as many children coming to church without parents as we had people that were showing up uh, for the gatherings altogether. And some of these kids were as young as three years old that were walking to church without parental care there to be able to care for them. And as they were coming, uh, they were coming into our gatherings, they would you know, uh, ride their bike in the back of the church, like in the middle of the gatherings, they would make themselves present in just whatever way felt normal for them because they wanted to be a part of our community. But there was challenges with this, right? They, they used to say in the church world that you love children so that you can love your parents so that you can love their parents. Well, first of all, I think anytime we use the phrase love and so that, we probably need to add, ask questions about whether that's really loving, right? Because I think the story of love we see from God is loving not for a reason, but loving because people are worthy of love, right? But the other side of it is it, the children weren't coming with parents anyway. So even if it's a loving so that, we were not connecting with parents. Uh, which meant as all these kids come, they weren't bringing people to help care for them. They weren't bringing people to help uh, volunteer in kids ministry or anything like that. It was just children showing up. And we soon realized that we had a choice to make. We could either say that our original goal of creating these uh, quiet, meaningful worship experiences where people could think and could process challenging questions, that that was still our top priority, and if we were gonna do that, we had to make some changes. We would have to start requiring children to bring their parents with them if they were going to attend the gathering, right? So that we had more people to care and make sure the kids were taken care of. So that was one church we, choice we could have made. And I, and I think that choice would have been a fair one, right? But the other choice and, and the one we made was to say, we have all these kids that are literally knocking on our door that are pulling on our coat, looking for love and attention. We just have to become a great church for kids in our community. And that meant that our church gatherings wouldn't really be quiet, which meant that it was a lot harder to go deep. It ended up meaning that nearly every adult that was a part of our church community had to now be a volunteer in children's ministry, whether we were passionate about kids or not, because this was the only way to make it work. This was the only way to care for and include the children that were knocking at our door. So whether this was something we wanted or sought after or ha had a, a dream for or a passion for, it simply was what it was. It was the need that was knocking at our door and we had to choose to change and be flexible to respond to that. All right, let's bring this home. 
loving our city well, and being a good neighbor means seeing and responding to the needs around us. So what is it that's tugging at your coat? Or what do you need to turn your attention more towards? Again, maybe you already know, maybe you're already thinking about this and you just need to take a step to respond, take a step to do something towards action. But if not, if you, if you have uncertainty still, may, may we move forward and just tune in a little deeper and really be people that look for the needs in the world around us so we can respond. So here's why this is exciting for me. As a church, we're gonna to continue to do these great big things together when we all come together. There's actually some things coming this fall that I cannot wait to talk to you more about. There's gonna be some great things happening. And that gets me excited, but I get super excited imagining the impact on our city if hundreds of us in this community are actively working to be better neighbors. Imagine the difference we could see in our city if we come together and each actively looking for the needs around us and then responding with action when we see those needs and then inviting other people into that. This grassroots action of being a good neighbor is contagious and I believe can spread through our city and see lots of goodness come to South Bend. One last plug. Uh, if you follow us, hopefully you found out that we have on Facebook, Facebook's not perfect, is what it is. We have a Facebook group called the South Bend City Church Collective. And the South Bend City Church Collective is intended to serve exactly this purpose. Maybe you see there's a need for community uh, on your block or with your coworkers. And so maybe you plan a cookout and invite people into that. And you can say, hey, other people in the South Bend City Church, why don't you come and join us as we create this opportunity for fun and community together? Or maybe there's a project that's out there. Uh, somebody just posted the need, um, uh, one of our foster families has a need to see rooms painted, right? Uh, what if you say that's something that's, that you caught your attention, that's pulling at you, and you're gonna respond to that? Well, you can go and post in the collective and say, hey, I'm gonna be doing this, who wants to join me in this? And in this way, we can each uh, focus on each of us listening and responding and inviting others into this sort of action uh, so we become a church who loves our city well together. As we go, I just want to leave you with this benediction. Whoever you are, whatever your story is, may you be compelled by knowing there is a God who sees you in the midst of your story and responds to you. And may you take that knowledge and that love and carry that into your community to see and to respond to the needs of neighbors around you. Grace and peace be with you, friends.